Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to Bugle issue 4068, covering the inaugural Bugle live tour of the United States, the first of hopefully many thousand such tours over coming years. Over the past week, we've done shows in San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle, and you're about to hear the choicest morsels from all three of those shows, apart from the Seattle one, which happened just a little bit too late to make the cut. Thanks to all those who came along to those shows. They feature me, my sister Helen, guest on stage Chris, Martin Orstwick, who may be related to me by marriage, and via the wonders of the internet, the wonderful Alice Fraser in either Tokyo and or London, depending on where she was at the time. I do hope you enjoy the shows, and don't forget there are many more Bugle live shows coming up over the next few months. Do check out the website for details. In the meantime, strap in, let's head stateside. for a visual world. Hello, San Francisco! <laughs> Correct response. I do hope you're more specific than that when you go to see the doctor. How are you feeling? Boo! Um, so, welcome. This is very exciting to be here, uh, here at Cobbs to do a live bugle show, the first live bugle show here uh, in, uh, in America. Has anyone been to a live bugle show anywhere else? Yeah, one of you... <laughs> Great, uh, spreading, uh, spreading the global gospel. Uh, there will be some breaking news. I have a, a tablet here. This is a high-tech show. We are, we are pushing the boundaries of my minimal technological capabilities tonight, so uh, uh, I do hope you enjoy it. Uh, this is the first time uh, that the Bugle has ever taken place live on uh, the Americas. Super little pair of continents you've got here. Uh, also, the first time the Bugle has ever taken place in California. <laughs> East. Yeah. Easily my favourite caliphate. Um, just seems so much more relaxed than the other ones. I don't know how you do it. Maybe you could spread the word a bit. Um, uh, and also, uh, also uh, the first time ever that the bugle has taken place uh, in the vicinity of a major tectonic fault. Uh, San Andreas, of course, the patron saint of unnecessary wobbling. Um, so, bearing in mind that we are so close to a major tectonic fault um, and uh, you know, the history of this place, uh, please, could you keep your levels of sinful behaviour and unrighteous thought to a reasonable minimum? Uh, so we can hopefully get through this show without incurring uh, the rightful vengeance of an insulted lord. Um, so, because uh, he got a bit stroppy last night, I understand there was an earthquake last night. Yes, which, which was, what, 3.5? 3.6 on the Richter scale, uh, which I'll just check my divine punishment chart for what level of sin could have provoked a 3.5 Richter scale um, earthquake. Well, someone could have illegally streamed a new episode of a hit TV show. Uh, to that level of sin, like Celebrity Stockholm Syndrome uh, or the new must-see series CSI Oval Office. Um, <laughs> We are here today in Oregon, um, the state uh, named one single cheer for Oregon. There we go. So, um, the state, of course, uh, named after the shape of a hipster's beard, the Oregon. So it is today, Tuesday, the 15th of May, 2018. So you there are cheering the 132nd anniversary of the death of Emily Dickinson in 1886. Um, you're glad she's dead from that response, a uh, bit, bit misogynistic. Um, also, it is uh, the 482nd anniversary 
of the day that uh, English King and uh, rough breakup specialist Henry VIII um, swiped down on his second wife, Anne Boleyn. Um, she was, uh, he was a man ahead of his time, in many ways. Sentenced to death on this day in uh, 1536. Much to your evident delight, San Francisco. Or perhaps you were cheering the 766th anniversary of the issuing of a papal bull by Pope Innocent IV authorising the torture of heretics, which, again, you see... You're fine with this. You are... F- Sorry? Oh, oh, wow, my goodness me, I don't know if you heard this. He said, but also limiting the torture of heretics. Now, to be honest... I don't know if you are aware of the way I research the historical facts in the Bugle. It is very much a first paragraph of Wikipedia level of research. And I'm not usually relying on someone having an intricate knowledge of the fact that a papal bull from the 13th century not only allowed but also prescribed the use of torture. How the f*** did you know that? It's the second paragraph. Why were you looking at that page? Are you from Russia? Are you tracking everything I do on the internet? <laughs> how, how did that... Why, why were you looking at this? I've listened to your show before. You've listened to my show before and what you thought you'd check out the anniversaries for yourself. <laughs> Let me do my job, man! <laughs> do not bring facts to a live bugle show! <laughs> Security. Um, also, um, you've set the bar very f-ing high for this audience. So, uh, it's the birthday of Pierre Curie. It's the birthday of Pierre Curie. Oh, well, thank you. Go. Why don't you just get up on the stage and do the f-ing show? So, um, Support for the bugle is brought to you by Simply Safe Home Security Done Right, which is incredibly frustrating for me, having spent most of the last ten years as a secret cat burglar. <laughs> I have a lot of cats. I mean, it's a really a bad line of burglary to get into. Why don't I go for jewels? Anyway, here are my main issues. One, Simply Safe is really discreet and hard to notice, adding hours to my cat stealing planning. Two, windows and doors are comprehensively protected. Do you expect me to come down the chimney? Three, Simply Safe's power backups mean I can't even take you off the grid to execute my master plan. And four, it's cheap and contract free which is putting me out of business fast. Learn more about how Simply Safe can help protect your home and your cat. Go to simplysafe.com slash bugle. That is simplysafe.com slash bugle. Now, as always, some sections of the bugle are going straight. In the bin! Correct. <laughs> the bin man, the bin. <laughs> the guy who was nearly American left the show two years ago. It's a bin. It's a fucking bin. Uh, <laughs> in the bin this week, uh, we have a personal finance uh, section, and uh, we give you... Uh, oh, no, no, it's gone too far. We'll go back to that. <laughs> I'm still learning PowerPoint. I've had a lot of fun with it, um, but I can, uh, I'm by no means a master of the art. Um, so, uh, oh, right. Right, screw that. Um, anyway, we address the uh, burning issue. That's going to be a bit weird for anyone listening to the recording of this. Uh, well, we uh, advise on the burning issue in American personal finance today. What should you do with your spare $130,000? Um, 
which uh, I know is a very big issue in American uh, money today. Uh, various options. You could hire the star quarterback Tom Brady at his current going rate. Now, $130,000 would get you two working afternoons of Brady, and you could just ask him to throw stuff really accurately around your home and garden. Um, you could feed 32,000 starving children in an African famine zone for a week for $130,000 at $4 per child, which is quite a bargain, really. Or, for the same price, you could just feed one child for 615 years just to see how large you could make it grow. You could buy 40,000 $3 boxes of Cheez-Its and have enough for a luxury coffin for after you attempt to eat them all in one sitting. Uh, you could invest wisely in a, in a, in a future-proof uh, industry. Um, in particular, uh, invest in drama schools. Uh, because I think this is the future of education. Um, you're looking at the way that the world is changing. I don't know, I'm massively pessimistic about the future. Welcome to the show. Um, uh, and uh, the way technology is changing the future jobs market, drama schools are going to be the biggest growth industry of the next 20 years. Because that is the one skill that children of my kids' generation are going to need. They're going to all need to be drama students because the one prime workplace skill they're going to need is the ability to pretend that they are living happy and fulfilled lives <laughs> and own their own home. Yes, you're right. That is probably the most depressing joke I've ever written, but uh, probably needs a stronger punchline. Or alternatively, with your $130,000, you could pay someone you definitely did not put your penis in to not say whether or not you had or had not put your penis in them. That is the best way to spend that money. So, um, so before we, uh, we crack on, are you, uh, are you enjoying the Trump years? Yeah. Now, do we have any Trump fans in? Well, who would have thought it? And, I mean, it's all relative, isn't it? I mean, who, who thinks he's the worst thing in the world right now? See, I'm, I'm not sure he's the worst thing. Is, it, is he worse than Islamic State? I would say no. But we really should be setting the bar a little bit higher than that. I mean, there are certain levels of behavioural expectation that come with being, for example, President of the United States, that do not come, for example, with being a terrorist franchise, when a certain level of naughtiness is kind of de rigueur. Um, the way I see it, it's like uh, if you have a six-year-old uh, child and they sit down at a piano and they say, Mummy, Daddy, listen to this, and they plink out with one finger a just-about-passable rendition of Old MacDonald Had a Farm, um, then you encourage them and you congratulate them and you applaud them. If, however... You go to see the great pianist Daniel Barenboim at one of the great concert halls of the world, and he does exactly the same thing. <laughs> then you stand on your chair and you call him a. <laughs> <c> <laughs> so... uh, it's time now to meet our Bugle co hosts uh, for the scene. Now, first, before we meet the Bugle co host, we have a guest on stage, Chris, today. Um, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly why he doesn't come to these gigs, because of people like you. You've ruined him. He, cannot he can barely step outside a recording studio these days. So it's a great pleasure to welcome our stand-in Chris uh, for today. You may know him from uh, Answer Me This podcast and Song by Song. Please give it up for Martin the Soundman. Here he is. Welcome, Martin. Today is... International Day of Families, and um, Martin, as some of you may know, is my, my brother-in-law, um, and so to mark International Day of Families, we will be giving away a free brother-in-law at the end of the show. <laughs> so, sorry, I should have run that past you before, shouldn't I? But anyway, 
Uh, right, so let's play Guess the Bugle co-host. There is a bit of a clue sitting on stage, but uh, <laughs> let's go through it. And I'm going to give you four facts to see if you can guess the Bugle co-host uh, based on the following facts. Uh, no, you've got to wait till you can't interrupt. Can't interrupt with your answer. Fact one, she was bitten by a radioactive dictionary as a child and became obsessed with words. Fact two, she's an international fugitive. She has been to... How many countries have you been to in the last eight months? Like a dozen? Yeah, I mean, it looks f***ing dodgy, to be honest. I mean, you might, you might just say it's a nice extended working holiday, but it looks f***ing dodgy. Um, fact three, she's immune to sports. And this is a lasting tragedy. Sport clearly is the greatest thing. Are you sports fans? Uh, who here? Hands up if you're not a sports fan. What the f*** are you losers doing with your lives? You are such a disappointment to me. And uh, fact four, she used to live in the same womb that uh, I lived in. Uh, I did a, a nine-month stretch there back in 74. Dark times. Literally dark times. Uh, so can you guess who it is? Hello, Buglers. He used to do that every time I wanted to enter a room. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, how have you been celebrating International Day of Families? Uh, I've been uh, looking into getting adopted by a different family. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, give away a free sister as well at the end of the gig as well. Yeah, yeah. Just anyone, as long as I don't have to wear your hand-me-downs for the first ten years. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you stop? Oh, you haven't stopped, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Got out of the dressing up box. <laughs> uh, right, now, our second uh, guest, and this is a hugely exciting moment uh, for, uh, for the Bugle, a historic moment. We are, we are about to do something that is going to blow your minds. This is... Uh, I mean, here in the city of technology, we're going to do something that is really even beyond the bounds of uh, the wondrous worldwide witchcraft of the 21st century. Uh, who, who here works in tech? Yeah. Uh, literally all of you, okay? All of you. Yes, no one else could afford the 50-mile journey in from where they now live because of you f***ers. Um, um, <laughs> um, uh, I mean, a lot of tech is wonderful, uh, don't get me wrong. But, uh, not all of it, though. Uh, some of it's unnecessary. Uh, the Apple Watch, for example, is both. Um, it's both wonderful and... Does anyone here have an Apple Watch? Yes, quite a few of you. Now, no one needs an Apple Watch. Now, do you, do you, did you need that watch? You didn't need it. No one, absolutely no one needed it. And if you do have an Apple Watch now or at any point in the future, there will come a moment in your life, at some point in your life, when uh, you're lying on your deathbed and hopefully many, many decades to come, and the very last conscious thought that goes through your mind is, I didn't need that Apple Watch. <laughs> I think it's a bit hypocritical of somebody who buys a lot of Victorian teddy bears on eBay. <laughs> I bought one, Helen! I know that is technically a lot, but it's a one. Who are its friends, then? <laughs> I'm punishing it for all the things Britain did wrong during our imperial phase. <laughs> but this is a truly uh, historic, uh, historic moment, uh, because we are now going through the uh, internet. We are going all the way to the woman whom flamingos fear. Live... From Tokyo, Japan, it's Alice Fraser! Hello, Andy. Hello, Bugles. How are you? 
Uh, well, I can't believe this has worked. So, um... <laughs> um, Alice, how's uh, how's Japan? Tiny. Tiny or tidy? Both. Oh, both. <laughs> so uh, this is, uh, I mean, this is a truly historic moment. Did you know, Helen? This is. Uh, the first time in the history of showbiz... That a webinar has happened in a comedy club. It's almost that. <laughs> I was going to say that a brother-sister combination from the United Kingdom on stage in San Francisco have linked up with an Australian comedian in Japan. <laughs> Feel the history, San Francisco! You don't, you don't have very much of it, so you need stuff like this. So right, I think we're ready for our top story. Martin, we need a full sting! Now, th this... This is what Martin brings that Chris does not bring. He brings <laughs> electronic versions of Bugle Stings and the look in his face as he plays them is the single purest look of delight you will ever see on the front of a human head. Come on, Andy, I've seen you doing a pun run. I think it's even beyond that. Um, uh, right. That's not pure delight. That is very much adulterated with sin. <laughs> <laughs> Top story this week, and the world is about to end again. This is part uh, part uh, part sixty-five of the world is about to end uh, in uh, bugle history. Uh, who is confident that the world will last more than another year? Uh, who reckons we're, we've entered the end times? There we go. We'll take that. That's better than uh, better than average. And uh, have you been enjoying uh, the Middle East crisis? No, it's, uh, yeah, who, frankly, is shitting themselves on a daily basis? Yeah, that's right. Um, it's, uh, it's terrifying. Uh, it's terrifying times. Uh, Korea, uh, uh, today, the North have just pulled out of, uh, of talks with the, uh, the South. I don't know if that puts Donald Trump's uh, scheduled Nobel Prize in, uh, in doubt. I mean, uh, that's... Uh, it does... I mean, the idea that Trump could get a Nobel Peace Prize. I know they've banded in the mats some pretty f***ing weird people over the years, America. Um, but it's slightly reminiscent of when in 1976, Jaws, the renowned shark, tripped over his, <laughs> tripped over his fin at a Hollywood premiere of the uh, drama documentary about his life, in which he, of course, played himself and landed snout-first in a bowl of guacamole and ended up winning ve vegetarian, <laughs> vegetarian of the Year. So... Um, um, <laughs> So, uh, Alice, uh, you, be, you are our official uh, career correspondent. Uh, what, uh, what can you bring? I mean, you, you've basically moved to be within touching distance of uh, any massive nuclear war in Korea. What's, uh, what, what's going on there? Well, there's growing speculation ahead of the historic summit between Trump and Kim Jong-un, which is planned for June the 12th in Singapore. Of course, the two leaders are expected to discuss the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula, but more importantly, they will have to shake hands. <laughs> for the cameras multiple times. Given that Kim Jong-un wore high-heeled boots to shake hands with his South Korean counterpart, how will he handle the massive height difference between him and Trump? Is it drag queen heels that you've got to counterbalance both the height differential and Trump's tendency to treat a handshake like the beginning of a footloose dance montage where he's sweeping someone into a twirl? So, I mean, what would, uh, Helen, what, yeah, you're uh, uh, an expert not on etymology, uh, only on etymology, but also on uh, the art of the, uh, the uh, formal greeting between world leaders. Sure, yeah. Yeah, what, uh, <laughs> what would be, uh, well, you're the fountain of all wisdom, for f sake. Um, uh, what, I mean, what would be your advice on meeting uh, 
either of those two men? Well, I would suggest to uh, Kim that he uh, attempts the ancient Greek style of supplication where you kneel down, grab the other person around the knees and then pull on their beard, but in Trump's case, the extra long tie should be within easy reach. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know if you pull really hard on his tie, his tongue comes out? (laughs) (laughs) And then squirts water out of his ears. Um, I mean, but what, 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 I mean, what happens if it works? What happens if uh, it's sort of the... It's not so much negotiations as me-gotiations, um, <laughs> as, far, as far as I can work. What if, it, uh, what if it works? I mean, is this the future of humanity, kind of diplomacy, rather than the... I mean, that, that, that word is ruder in American than in England, Andy. I know. Uh, don't worry. I've been here before, and I've thought about it, and it stands. Uh, and, uh, because to me, to me, Donald Trump... Uh, thus far in his presidency, uh, has been an inverse Russian doll of battery. <laughs> in that uh, every time you think he's reached his limit, out pops an even bigger uh, That's Russian as well. Join the fucking dots, people! It's Russian! It's really putting the knob into Nobel Prize. <laughs> oh, I knew I'd drag you down to my level at some point, Helen. This is, uh, the thing is, you know, it's very important in particularly in the Asian region to have your kind of etiquette down pat. And I don't think Trump does that. I think if he goes in there and starts kicking doors down the way he does, it's going to be career suicide. <laughs> oh, come on. That deserved more for effort, if not achievement. Help me, I'm outnumbered. <laughs> well, I don't see your husband jumping to your defence with an anti-pun. <laughs> is that... You're a doctor of physics. Is it possible to create, if, you know, if you can have matter and antimatter, can you have pun and anti-pun? Yeah. Good, right, yeah. OK, I'm glad we cleared that up. It's the, uh, also, uh, one of the reasons we've got Martin here today, it's the 400th anniversary of Kepler launching his third law of, what was it, planetary... Uh, planetary motion. Planetary motion, there you go, that's it, thank you. Who knows? I feel like the audience is really far more qualified than you to do this gig tonight. <laughs> Don't worry, Helen, I've had 18 years of practice with that. I've seen it. <laughs> uh, elsewhere in uh, impending Armageddon news, uh, yeah, things... Well, Trump pulled out of the, uh, the Iran uh, deal. Who, who, was that the right call? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, as a result of which, all manner of shit has broken loose. Um, and, uh, well, in, uh, in, uh, in the Middle East, things have crossed that... Uh, that skirting that fine line between... Uh, um, uh, well, the teething troubles you get when you open any new embassy and massive crimes against humanity. It's a very, very delicate, <laughs> delicate uh, balance. And I guess it's, in some ways it's a question of timing because intrinsically America opening an embassy in Jerusalem is not a bad thing. It's just a matter of it being a bit too early. I see it very much like going to a child's christening and giving them a book entitled How to Enjoy Great Sex After Menopause. <laughs> you know, at the right time, it's actually probably quite a nice gesture, but... Uh, Alice, anything more to bring some light to the Middle East situation before we move on? Uh, well, I'm not wearing any pants, and... Um, what else? Uh, no, I, look, when I'm worried about the risk of all-out all nuclear war, serious political coverage of serious political issues becoming too dauntingly dense or complex, I tend to turn to tabloid press coverage. Right. For example, the Daily Star's take on Trump and Iran's nuclear solution, where the headline reads, all caps, mapped, World War III on brink in Middle East as Trump axes Iran nuclear deal. 
and uh, I don't know what they mean on the brink of, but uh, they call Trump the billionaire instead of the president. And the map is just Facebook profile pics of all the world leaders sort of digitally cut out and pasted onto a map, which is itself digitally cut out and digitally pasted over a background of roiling flames, the like of which haven't been seen since the teenage early 2000s MySpace heavy metal fans had full reign over the aesthetic temperament of their own personal web pages. <laughs> Say what you like about Facebook's crippling claw hold over the private information of its members, at least they don't let 15-year-olds choose their own fonts and backgrounds. <laughs> oh, alas, a note of hope in this troubled, troubled world. <laughs> Spike Lee, who I think it's fair to say is not a massive fan of Donald Trump, um, told the world to uh, wake up. Um, I would say uh, the opposite. I would say to the world, get some fucking sleep. Uh, you are losing your mind. Just book three weeks off, have some fucking lions and give up coffee. Um, there's been some, uh, some other nuke-related news, Helen. Yes, uh, Idaho State University uh, has mislaid a very small amount of weapons-grade plutonium. <laughs> well, those are not the three words you want to hear on the end of that sentence. I mean, what is your preference in that circumstance? John Bon Jovi. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, saying he I'm not saying he deserves to be lost. I'm saying that would be better than losing weapons-grade plutonium. Uh, they uh, last had it about 15 years ago and um, then just lost sight of it. And then this week, are getting an $8,500 fine for that, <laughs> owing to it being weapons-grade plutonium. Uh, but uh, it is safe because they triple-bagged it before they lost it. <laughs> Sleep easy tonight. Do you not think they should have looked for it before 15 years had passed? I mean, I guess it's not one of the things that you notice necessarily losing, unless... I think I would. Right. I just... I've lost many things in my time, but none of them things that you could make a nuclear weapon out of. <laughs> um, but then things do get lost behind the couch, so they could look in there first, but they didn't. Just not motivated. Well, to, uh, to mark this occasion, uh, we are holding a weapons-grade plutonium amnesty at today's Live Bugle. So, if any of you are uh, packing any weapons-grade plutonium with you, please hand it in to Helen at the end of the gig. She will make it safe by looking at it and turning it into a podcast. It's just, it's just what she does. She just can't help it. She's the King Midas of online audio. But, just the other day, she looked at an old woman at a bus stop. The old woman disappeared and Helen walked off with a 35-minute MP3 file. Truly sensational. Um, we have... Uh... Her arms turned into Squarespace ads. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have some, uh, some breaking news just coming through. Uh, the latest in the celebrity sex pestilence uh, stories. The retired former ancient Greek god Zeus has just become the latest high-profile celeb to be charged with historic sex offences. Um, yeah, the coming police in Athens, uh, searching a library, discovered a collection of what they describe as highly incriminating myths. <laughs> a, a classic pattern of behaviour, an overpowerful, entitled male abusing his position of influence. The disgraced former King of Olympus and one-time God of Thunder was denied bail after turning himself into a pint of beer and pouring himself down a stenographer's blouse. So, uh, <laughs> Do you know, I'm not sure anyone's ever laughed like that in Japan before. This is the EDM remix of laughter. Uh, also, I've got, I've got Breitbart up here. Have you got any Breitbart fans in? 
All right, I've, I've misread the vibe of this gig. <laughs> Big time. Um, and uh, they've got some fantastic new articles on, uh, on, on Breitbart, um, including this, just come out today. If I'm not allowed to scream, you're a fucking bitch at a baby in a shopping mall, just because it might be female, then gay people shouldn't be allowed to buy cars. <laughs> Classic outright stuff. And um, if, uh, if immigrants and women are as great as the snowflakes say, how come American male man Neil Armstrong was the first thing on the moon? And um, why does the mainstream media keep lying to us about spiders having legs? None of the ones in our collection do anymore. So, um... <laughs> classic, uh, classic stuff from, uh, from Breitbart there. It's time now for a Bugle feature section uh, and everyone's favourite relic of medieval feudalism. The British monarchy is having another wedding. That's right. Everything else in the world is of no relevance anymore, Helen. You are our official royal wedding correspondent for the Bugle. That's right. In uh, three days, seven hours, four minutes and 35 seconds, the only royal anyone would swipe right on is getting hitched to your home team, America. <laughs> are you excited? Why? <laughs> it makes no sense that a family elected by God is in a position of power. Uh, and also, she is marrying into a very racist bunch. <laughs> and uh, I worry for her. But uh, it's all right, she's used to having shit relatives because all of hers are cashing in. Her nephew is growing a special strain of royal wedding-themed marijuana. <laughs> Markle Sparkle. Which he says is unique and, <laughs> unique and classy like my aunt and guaranteed to blow anyone's crown off. <laughs> and uh, you'll also be pleased to know that KFC on the day will be selling limited edition bone china buckets uh, or shit that Andy will be buying off eBay in 20 years. <laughs> sort of faintly ironised intent. And uh, Velveeta has limited edition crown-shaped mac and cheese. Oh, you're excited about that, aren't you? No wonder you were like, Royal Wedding! Crown pasta! Uh, Dunkin' Donuts has uh, Royal Wedding donuts. Well, what what marks out a a Royal Wedding donut from a regular donut? It costs the taxpayer a lot more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that's interesting. Is Meghan Markle going to get her own little anthem? Does she get... Because it's it's all done done by grading, isn't it? I mean, the Queen gets the full whack. She must have a terrible earworm of that, don't you think? Just, I mean, every time she opens a fucking door, someone plays her fucking theme song. She must be bored. She must be waiting for the merciful claw of the reaper. And yet, ironically, every time someone sings it, it makes it less likely to happen. Because, now God, God save that we need to update our anthem. I know your anthem is fundamentally about kicking the shit out of us British people. But <laughs> It's fair. But it is to a tune that originated as a British drinking song. So... Um, um, do you think it should be changed to old age should take our queen? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think we are currently appealing to a deity that, as you said, the vast majority of people in Britain no longer believe in to save a woman who already has the best medical care and security detail money can possibly buy. These are wasted words, Helen. If only we'd been singing God Save Our Industrial Sector, then things might be... <laughs> Brexit might not have happened. I blame the Queen. And, um, but fundamentally, Meghan Markle is marrying into the British royal family. And I, who would like the monarchy back? 
We can, we can keep her, right? Um, uh, because, okay, let me put it this way. Who would you rather have in charge? The Queen or Donald Trump? The Queen, that's right. Everyone would take the Queen. She's one of the most popular political figures in the world because she's a very shrewd operator, the Queen. And she and has great hats. She has great hats. And she's very, very cleverly been constitutionally barred from saying or doing anything for the entire 66 years of her reign. The only... The only... Because she's very well aware that it's when politicians say and do stuff that people get annoyed with them. So uh, the only thing she does is the wave, the famous royal wave. Now, do you know the origin of the royal wave, Helen? It's, Pray tell. Uh, it goes back to the... Um, <laughs> goes, goes, you probably know this. Uh, <laughs> you know, wiki-peedy, bothering weirdo. The, um, that was a bit rich coming from me. Uh, the, um, the origin of the, the famous royal wave, I'm sure you're aware of. The royal wave, the origin of it is the Queen had a, um, a job during the war. Uh, she did a lot for the war effort when she was a, a trainee queen, or princess as they're known. And um, uh, she had this job uh, where she um, had to collect uh, semen samples off sleeping badgers. And um, that's, the, um, that's the origin of the royal wave. Because the thing is, you had to extract the sample whilst the badger was asleep, otherwise it became too oxidated and therefore less aerodynamic. And they used it to... <laughs> coat the propellers on the Spitfires. Is that treason? Fact. No, it's truth. <laughs> truth. Okay, truth or treason. New TV game show. <laughs> <laughs> Winner gets beheaded. <laughs> um, uh, also, when it comes to the royal wedding, there's been some controversy that uh, 1,200, quotes ordinary people who've been hand-selected to be guests have been told to bring their own food to the royal wedding. Now, bearing in mind, they can presumably look at Harry as he's walking down the aisle and think to themselves, your granny's face is on my banknotes. Give me a f***ing sandwich! <laughs> the Australian government is going to give them a present and everyone's excited about what the present's going to be. Right. And what's that likely to be? A uh, well, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull refused to say what it was. He said, we can't reveal it yet, but it is very Australian and appeals to their interests, uh, which is 100% what I say when I haven't bought someone a present. Uh, also, I want very Australian and appeals to your interests as my new Twitter bio. Is there a vintage T-shirt of Kylie Minogue? <laughs> I mean, that's sensational. That is... You really toned down the joy there. I think your bullying had an effect. I mean, it's, the look on his face must be the, like the first time Beethoven sat down and wrote a sonata. It's unbelievable. It's a mo moment for music. Um, just a quick word for our charity partners here in the Bay Area, special Bay Area charity, uh, Mermaid, um, which is uh, raising awareness of the harrowing reality of mermaid life. Um, <laughs> Uh, because mummies get a lot of uh, publicity in, uh, in films, but uh, you might have noticed they're generally only young mermaids. Um, because the reality of mermaid life is that there is uh, an insurmountable difference in life expectancy between the top half and the bottom half. <laughs> and there is... There's really no way to paper over those cracks, so please give generously. Also, um... Mermaid sushi can fetch up to $130,000 a kilo. Do you know that? <laughs> Andy, uh, did you know that I am half mermaid, half human? But the mermaid half is the human half of the mermaid, so... 
essentially 100% human, but I have a deep spiritual affinity for the television show Sequest DSV. <laughs> well, there you go, Bugles. That is the first Sequest DSV reference in the entire history of the <laughs> That is what Johnny Showbiz, whose picture is over there, did not bring to this show. Are there mermaids which are the other way round? Like fish head with human legs? If not, why did those not take off? Don't answer, I can think of about ten reasons already. Um. Everyone just wants the mermaid for the boobs, right? <laughs> not the knees. <laughs> It's now the Bugle Regrets section. Helen, you are the Bugle's regretting correspondent. Yes, this week United Airlines was regretting, saying that they were going to no longer serve tomato juice on flights. And passenger... Uh, tomato juice, if you don't understand what I'm talking about. No, it's, it's not... It's potato juice. Is that how it's pronounced? <laughs> and passengers were f***ing livid, because, as we all know, as soon as you get into the sky, you want to drink something that looks and tastes like blood. And so within days, United reneged on that decision. So you can take heart because protest works. Resist! <laughs> um, of course, hardcore believers in aviation believe that tomato juice on a plane merely represents the blood of Orville and Wilbur Wright. <laughs> Whereas others claim that above 10,000 feet, it actually becomes the actual blood of the Wright brothers. But each to their own, as long as you don't start a war over it. But... Um, <laughs> Looking forward to the forthcoming movie, Tomato Juice on a Plane. <laughs> I've had it with this lack of motherfucking tomato juice on this motherfucking drinks trolley on this motherfucking plane. Sorry, sir, this is a British Airways flight. Could I perhaps interest you in a snake? Um, other regrets? Uh, other, other regrets. Uh, the Christopher Columbus High School in Florida, who held their prom which was jungle-themed, and so they invited a live tiger. <laughs> and they, it's all right, they kept it in a cage, a small cage in the middle of the dance floor. But guess what? Tigers don't enjoy uh, flashing lights and EDM <laughs> and being surrounded by teenagers taking selfies. Uh, so it started hurling itself against the bars of the cage, and people suddenly thought, oh, maybe this was uh, animal cruelty. Um, Congratulations on finishing high school, though. <laughs> and now they're being investigated by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. <laughs> I hope they send someone from the wildlife branch rather than the fish branch to that. <laughs> um, that's, um, I mean, I guess uh, there were options. I mean, they didn't have to get the live tiger. They could have got a pantomime tiger. You know, two people in a, panther, in a tiger outfit. Um, they could have got a stuffed tiger. They could have got a regular stripy house cat and stood it behind a massive prism. <laughs> or they could have, of course, got no tiger. Uh, that, that is an option. That is an option. Um, uh, one more uh, uh, regret. Uh, um, uh, a mother trying to uh, commemorate oh. her love for her children. Yes, mother in Sweden had her children's names tattooed on her arm and then discovered afterwards that the tattoo artist had misspelt her son Kevin's name as Kelvin. <laughs> but because she does not want to live with regret, she has decided to legally change her son's name to <laughs> Kelvin. Look, Helen, it's a hot name. <laughs> oh. 
Um, she's really brought her A game today. I mean, it's very to deliver a joke like that at a range of what about ten thousand miles. That's that's impressive. It, it's, I mean, it's quite hard to understand quite how uh, how widespread tattooing has become. Um, very because who here has it? Give me a cheer if you have a tattoo. Loads of people have a tattoo. Um, uh, I, I saw don't... an amazing tattoo just down the street here in Alberta. Someone had a turnip on the back of their head. <laughs> that is not a tattoo. That is a lost bet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's amazing how, uh, how, how, how quickly this has changed. Because even just a single generation ago, parents still had the ability to remember the names of all of their children mm. without having them indelibly inscribed on their arms. Ha happy birthday. Ah, oh, shit, it's gone. Debbie, there we go, love you. I don't know, if you actually checked with our father whether he can remember what our names are? <laughs> <laughs> he, he remembers the dog's names, that's the important thing. Um. Uh, quick bit of breaking news, in fact, coming through from Britain now, Brexit breaking news. Uh, a compromise has been reached on, uh, on Brexit. Uh, one week on, one week off. Uh, <laughs> Uh, right, um, we're on to the other news section now. Um, I've got too many bits of paper <laughs> everywhere. Alice, anything else to tell us about from either Australia or Japan or anywhere else? Uh, we have uh, Hillary Clinton speaking out about China influencing Australia, if you're interested in that. Yeah, well, that's, that's enough. That's, uh, and, uh, I mean, how, are, you, are you worried about it as an Australian? Well, uh, I wasn't, and then Hillary Clinton, former US Secretary of State, warned Australia to be wary of Chinese interference in domestic political decision-making. She said, I think Australians need to be for Australians, Americans need to be for Americans, and whether it's Russia in a secret way interfering with our election, or the Chinese looking to try and influence policy, we should say no, she told an Australian current affairs show, thereby being an American, using the media to influence Australian policy-making. <laughs> I don't care what side of the political aisle you might be on in either Australia or the United States. We have an interest in making sure that decisions that are made by our governments are not the results of some kind of influence peddling by a foreign power, says the foreign politician peddling her influence in a speaking tour around Australia. Strapping people. Um... I'm afraid some of you who've seen me here before might have heard some versions of these. Uh, so, um, uh, right, okay. Uh, so, um, it's great to be here in California. I'm going to see how long Helen can last on stage and not in tears. Right, someone put a clock on it. Right. Uh, he, used to, uh, he used to surf a lot, my mate from California, but he wasn't, uh, wasn't very good at it. Though he talked himself up. He once entered a competition, but he had a big crash, flipped off his board, flew through the air and landed face first on the beach. Oh, he's going to have a bruised ego. Uh, my friend, uh, my other friend said to him, not just bruised, I said, I think he's going to have a sandy ego too. That's... Uh, he was very bitter, claimed the whole thing was unfair because he had to surf in more difficult conditions than everyone else. He complained for hours. He had a real long bitch about it. <laughs> he didn't take it well. He uh, hit the bottle, he got very drunk, saw he'd never go to the beach again. I tried to persuade him otherwise. Go on, buddy, just one more time. He was absolutely hammered by that and was slurring his words. I like to be yes. I'm a friend, no. 
His life fell apart. He had to sell everything he owned, including his precious collection of board games. He sent one to each country in Europe. He sent Britain his chess. He sent Germany his backgammon. And where did he send that Chinese game of his? Uh, oh, yeah. He sent Francis Go. Sent, sent Francis Go. Sent Francis. Right. Uh, but he kept... Uh, one of the things he did keep was this strange wooden pole. I can't sell that, he said. Why, I asked. Oh, it reminds me of when I saw a fertility doctor who cured my impotence by smashing me in the balls with this giant, giant ancient phallus. It's my sacram memento. <laughs> oh, lordy. I am a 43-year-old father of two. This is my job. Uh, things, things went from bad to worse. He joined this bizarre right-wing racist group that used to dress in these pointy hats with eye holes made of wood. The Oak Clan. <laughs> now, that is the correct response. Anyway, my mate started, he started putting his life together, back together eventually. He got into history, politics. Uh, once got his ten best friends to vote on their favourite ever Israeli leaders out of a list of former presidents and prime ministers. The uh, top four in order were uh, Robin, uh, Rabin, Mir, Perez and Herzog. If I remember rightly, the votes were cast as follows. Four Yitzhaks, three Golders, two Shimons, Anachaim. 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 I mean, if, just give me something for the effort, if not the achievement. <laughs> okay. You brought this on yourselves. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, he eventually turned to music. He wrote an album about bereavement and how much he loves uh, jams and preserves. It was called Los Angeles. That's pretty good, that. That's a good one. Thank you, Martin. <laughs> Thank you. Anything with music, and he's on, he's on board with. Right. Uh, that's done. I'm, I'm ending there. I'm ending there for the, for the sake... Uh, Why do you reward bad behaviour? Can, can we get the video screen back on, please? Just so we can all say goodbye to, uh, to Alice. There we go. Uh, Alice Fraser, ladies and gentlemen. The wonderful Alice Fraser. Um, uh, Alice, uh, you've got a new podcast. I do have a new podcast. Uh, it is produced by the original producer of The Bugle, Tom Wright, and it is on the ABC in Australia or on any of your podcast channels. Uh, it's called Troll Play. And uh, it's where we take the manure of the internet and turn it into the flowers of joy. <laughs> um, uh, do listen to that. Uh, and uh, listen to Helen's illusionist and answer me this. Uh, any... Uh... Thanks. Yeah, uh, Helen's ultimate, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thank you. 37 times Altman Sister of the Year. Uh, I'm 38 now. What happened in uh, I th 1998? I, th I think our dog Tash won it one year. Uh, but, um, Fair. You had a bad year. Uh, but um, Give it up for Martin! Um, uh, thanks to Cobbs uh, for having us, uh, for being so helpful setting up and everything. Please get up for all the venue staff here who've uh, helped out tonight. <laughs> Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. 
In this series, we discuss Lime Bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.